0: We're going to finish up the outreach series today, praise God, (laughs) praise God, hallelujah, amen. Um, Yeah, let's repeat the last four weeks. So um, we're going to do that, and then we go into the summer soapbox. So we received many good questions, Um, and I preface that, we received many good questions, (laughs) So um, we're going to go over as many as we can um, the rest of the summer into the fall. So um, let's pray, and then we're going to today we're going to look at Luke chapter fourteen. God, thank you for being here this morning. Again, I ask for just uh, love encounters with your presence today. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts willing to love, feet willing to run in obedience, God. Your word today, may we understand it, may we comprehend it, may it pierce us and change us. God, I ask that, that your word would uh, set a new trajectory in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so if you have, um, we we're gonna look at much of the chapter of uh, Luke 14 today, but what we're not gonna do is we're gonna actually skip um the first section but my hope for this whole series the whole series was this is to encourage us to become followers of Jesus engaged in the great commission engaged in the great commission engaged 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 not reclining not declining but engaged. And you know, engaged is more than just this. I want us to be engaged, living it, breathing it, doing it. So we have an opportunity coming up, right? To love our community, to be engaged in outreach within our community. So we find ourselves in Luke chapter 14. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. And what, what, what we're uh, looking at is actually a feast. Jesus was invited to a predominant man's house for a meal. And what ends up happening is um, many of the famous people were there. So maybe today if um, Ohio was having a feast, you would see Dave Chappelle there. Um, two months ago, LeBron James would have been there, but he gone. John Legend would be there. Um, Rob Deerdeck would be there. Uh, who else would be there? Urban would be there, of course. Hello. So um, there'd be all these famous people there, and Jesus was kind of the, the outsider. But he figured he would go he decided that he would go to LeBron James going away feast. He was there. The closest thing we have to this style of feast that they were having was probably Thanksgiving, right? Or um, July 4th. It's weird, there's so many seasons. It's like these holidays, you gain and lose weight. The in-between time, they need to uh, lengthen a little bit, right? So um, that's the kind of feast, this Important elite party with a bunch of food and supposedly a bunch of um, fun. So the first part that we were going to go over, verses uh, 1 through 12, it's like, hey, when you, when you go to a gathering, don't, don't pick the most important seat. When you go to a gathering, just sit at a random spot because how embarrassing will it be if the person in charge is going to come to you and say, hey, look, this seat isn't for you and then you have to be moved. Rather, just pick the low position. Find this low p- position. And then, when the, the, the party master, right, when they come to you, then they can elevate you. Live as humble beings. Jesus reminds us that the right thing is always the right thing. In the midst of being with important people at this gathering. You know what he did? He still rebuked them he was willing uh, to point out and say things at this party that probably he shouldn't have been saying at this party. But what he realized was the right thing is the right thing in every situation. It doesn't matter who you're with. And it made me start thinking, if I was with LeBron James and John Legend and Rob Deerdeck and let's just add in, um, shoot, Bruce Willis or... Um, Whoever else, I don't even know. Whoever, add in whoever you want, Michael Jordan. Do I submit to the way that they live or do I live differently? And the example that Jesus was setting here is the right thing is always the right thing. And he continued to do what was right in the midst of predominant people. Far too often as Christians, when we get in situations with important people, we tend to shift our values more towards theirs, or we elevate our personalities to become the greatest. We shift our values towards theirs. How about just practically each day at work? You know where the majority of the people stand. So then you don't want to be the weird person, so what do you do? You shift your value towards theirs. And if you're not going to shift your value towards theirs, then what do you do? You walk around as if you're the most important person there. You say I'm not going to shift my values, but I'm going to make the world revolve around me. Jesus did the right thing. And that's why he was saying, "Hey, look, when you go to a party, just sit sit at a random spot. Don't don't pick the head of the table. Pick a random spot. Our job is to serve, not be served." So let's look at, uh, we're going to start reading some scripture now, verse 12. There it is, perfect. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. All right. In all of our years, how many of us have ever had a party? Any of us. In all of our years. With the poor, with the crippled, with the lame, with the blind. God's word's not mine, right? When you have a feast, when you have a party, when you have a gathering, here's who you do it with. Because you know what? This good community that I love at Mechanics for Christian Fellowship When I have you over to my house, it's almost as if it's like, I know you're going to have me to your house. Truth. Stu's got this one, I'll get the next one. Stu's often generous, he just always gets all of them. Thank you, Stu. I've never seen a man like that blush. (laughs) Have we ever had that type of party? When I was wrestling through the scripture several years ago, I was talking to Macy, and I said, Macy, look, this is pretty like clear. When we have gatherings, it's just not about inviting over our friends that, um, that we love, but it's about inviting over the least of these. And I said, you wanna know why I don't invite over the least of these? She said, why? He said, because I believe that my, the, the first thing that God's calling me to do is protect my home, protect my house. And I think that if I would invite 35 homeless people from Dayton, our house would not be left the same. And I would have to have you walking, courting me everywhere I go because I don't trust these people. And I said, that's where God pierced my heart. He created us to be relational with people. To go out and, and uh, he, he didn't come for the healthy, he came for the sick. And I said, Macy, I can't trust these people. And that's the problem. I can trust mo- most of y'all in my house. I think I can trust all y'all in my house. Why? Because we have s- some sort of a relationship. a knowing. I cannot trust the homeless people of Dayton, the homeless people of Springfield, the homeless people of Columbus, all the homeless people in West Liberty. (laughs) Just playing. I'm sorry if you're from West Liberty. We love you. I have never positioned myself to walk in a genuine relationship with them, therefore I can't trust them in my house. I'm not bringing them over for a feast. That's what convicted me. See, it's more, I I think this scripture is saying, look, outreach is more than just a water bottle. Outreach is more than just a handout. Outreach is truly about positioning yourself to walk in a relationship with someone who needs help. because it's not about you, it's about Christ. So I've, I've, I've tried to make relationships with other people. Last Sunday, Macy and I were going to um, a place you've probably never heard me say from the pulpit, Panera. <laughs> Macy and I were going to Panera. And when we walked in, we saw this lady in some clothes and it almost looked like church clothes, but she was laying down in a weird posture. I'm like, maybe she's just waiting on the grandkids. So we went in and we ate, and she's still sitting on the way out. And um, we started to talk to her Hey, do you need anything? What are you doing? She said, I'm homeless, from Columbus, van broke, have no money to fix it, have no cell phone. Will you get me a hot coffee? Do you need two? whatever you need, if you want a meal, whatever you want. And we sat there and we talked to this woman to try to create a relationship with her. You know what I, what I understand is I'm very limited to help a lot of homeless people. I can send them to the correct organizations, but it's, it, it's not my job to fix their life, it's my job to love them. It's my job to care for the genuine needs that I can meet and offer whatever I have to help get, get that person on their feet again. So I sat right next to this lady and listened to her. How'd you get here? What have you fallen from? What have you lost? And I said, I want to let you know that all these people that walk past you and look down on you, that Jesus loves you. And there's people in this world that love you very much. Not everyone's given up on you. Keep your head up, remain faithful. And anything that you need, we can try to meet that. Tried to get her connected with some of the local um, shelters. She's been in a couple. But it was love, it was being right there and caring for that person. So now you know what? If the lady's still there this week and I talk to her, I believe that I'll begin to create a relationship with her. That if she's still there in three weeks, guess what? Come, come to our house. We want you to come over and watch a movie. Enjoy air conditioning. Relationship. It's just not about getting another person in a seat at church. It's not about just doing your good deed. It's about genuinely caring for a human being right next to you. In our culture, in this world right now, literally... We're deceived to think that um, life is about other people or we're doing the right things, but much of our culture, much of our world, everything is about ourselves. We need revival. We need Christ to move powerfully in our own hearts so that that we genuinely care about another person. (laughs) So who does God call us to invite? The poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Verse 15, let's move on. When one of those, this is the uh, ESV version. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. So, this is Jesus talking to a Pharisee. The posture of reclining makes a strong statement. God is in your midst, in your reclining. What up, dog? Reclining. I'm making you all uncomfortable up here with a microphone like this. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You know he carried a presence with him. Reclining. This posture of reclining, if we don't nip it, nip it pretty quick, will be the end of us. We have to change our posture. This man had a very nonchalant posture, right? He makes a true statement. Everyone who goes to heaven will be blessed. Yes, duh. Christianese, right? He's um, talking the talks with Jesus. Well, everyone who goes to heaven will be blessed. But Jesus wasn't concerned with his statement. He was more concerned with the man's heart. God isn't concerned with your statements, He's more concerned with your heart. Are you reclining or are you engaged? The man had the heart that he already arrived, that he had all the answers, that maybe he was even better than others. He probably felt like this because he was invited to the important party. (laughs) He was on the PTO at the local school. (laughs) He was a part of the mom's football team group. He was in the Harley Club. Urban Meyer follows him on Twitter. When we limit success to the, rhetorically speaking, or, yeah, when we, when we limit success to the party we attend or the people we hang out with, we miss the point. When we limit success to just coming to church, when we limit success to just who our friend group is, when we limit success just to just to just, we're missing the point. participating in Christian activities, the ability to pay bills does not make you safe. It doesn't mean you have a clean heart. It doesn't mean you have a pure heart. It doesn't mean you're not reclining. I believe that this posture of recline can also mean that this guy was spiritually reclining. And whenever we find ourselves spiritually, spiritually reclining, what does it also mean? We're spiritually declining. God is too big. Heaven is too wide to know everything about it. We don't have time to recline. Why would we want to recline? God is too big. Heaven is too wide. No height, nor depth, nor angel, nor demon. Nothing. It's too big to understand it all. We don't have time to recline. Our posture in worship, in prayer, and singing songs matter. Our posture in the way that we interact with people, our posture in the way that we um, do our daily disciplines matter. We far too often pursue the things that make us comfortable, right? And what I know about outreach is outreach is not comfortable. Why don't we all do outreach? Because it's uncomfortable. Who ever told you that becoming a Christian would make you comfortable? I'm serious. Like, The church, even after good teachings and good teachings and good teachings and more good teachings, we still think that it's supposed to be comfortable. Now, contentment and peace and joy are different stories. I can be content but not comfortable. I can have joy even though I'm not comfortable. What does Acts tell us about being comfortable? (laughs) God's calling us to love people, right? Hey, go love people. Go love people. We're saying, I want to love people. I'm loving people in my heart, but I want to be comfortable. I'm avoiding it. I want to be comfortable. I want to be comfortable. But God, I'm following you. I'm following you. And what does Acts 14 tell us? What does Acts 14 tell us about this idea of being comfortable? Verse 22, where they strengthen the believers, they encourage them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we, all of us, we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. If you're fighting for something comfortable, then you're very... Uh, distinctly heading in the different direction that God said. We must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Quit fighting for comfortable. Start fighting for just contentment. Contentment in God, I don't like it, but I trust you. And you know what? If the hardest thing you did this week was take a water bottle and say Jesus loves you or can I pray for you, then you had a great week. Because literally there's fires going off in people's life right now. And there's a fire taking over cities. That's hardship. Passing a water bottle out in Jesus' name is not But it does become a hardship. It becomes really hard when this is my posture in Christianity. It's real hard for me to get up right now. It's real hard for me to care about anything else. There's a fire right now in Redding, California that's taking over the city. Jesus, send rain. But as a culture here, we can't be so reclined that we can't pass out a water bottle, right? Reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Don't fight for comfortable. Don't do it. Also, don't be a dork and go cause your own problems. (laughs) Don't go 90 on the way home. Officer, sorry, Pastor Joey said that it's going to be really hard to get to heaven. We're going to have to face challenging times. So I figured I'd just go 90 everywhere. Not self-inflicted hardship. Maybe more like Joseph hardship, right? Or King David hardship. Or Jesus hardship. Life is hard. To live for Christ, you have to go in the opposite direction of the minority of the majority. And to live for Christ, you must have faith in him, you must be present with him, you must be available to him, and you must be obedient to him. And all of these require what? Sacrifice. Sacrifice to be engaged rather than reclining. This is a rhetorical question. Where are we as a church? Where are we as individuals? Are we reclining or are we engaged? Take a moment right now in your own heart. Confess that to God. You, confess your heart to God about where you are. We're just going to be silent for a moment. God, help grow us. Help us be engaged with you. Amen. Jesus continues in this parable. And he says, or he continues with the parable, and he says, look, there's a party that's going to be thrown. God's going to throw a party in a sense, right? It's going to be a feast, And at this feast, there's four seats. There's the party thrower, right? The one who calls the party. There's the servants, the ones who prepare the meal and invite the people. There's the expected guests, the ones in this story who give excuses um, when they receive an invitation. And then there's the spiritually hindered, So let's read this story. Verse 16. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time from the banquet, he sent his servants to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I have to go examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and there I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. There it is again. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, obedience, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges And compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Don't we always have a reason not to come to church? Don't we always have a reason not to participate in a small group? Don't you always have a reason not to minister to your crazy neighbor? Don't you always have a reason not to partici- to give more to the church? Don't I? There's always reasons, and there's an excuse for everything. When do you say "enough is enough? We are all called to invite the guests. Do you know what the problem is with probably the American church, much of it? Is we, requ- uh, we re- require church to be so serious. We must act um, stoic, never showing pain, acting like we have everything together. It becomes comparative and it becomes about us, right? But you know what God calls it? What we see in this story is he didn't say, hey, let's have a stoic gathering. We can all sit with our arms crossed and we can compare ourselves to others and we can make excuses about things. What did he say? Let's have a party. Let's have a gathering. Let's have a feast. Why? Because in heaven it's going to be a wedding feast. It's going to be a wedding gathering. And you know who's going to be gathered? The lost that are now found. The sick that are now healed. The dead that are now raised. Amen? The prodigals that have returned. And what do we learn about the prodigal? God doesn't sit there like this. The father doesn't sit with his arms crossed waiting for the prodigal to return. Throws off his robe and he runs. That doesn't seem very stoic to me. Running, excited, tears, undignified. free. Free of com- comparing, free of what the, the culture says, free of reputation. It's important that as a church we don't become excuse makers. We get her done. So let's look at the excuse makers in this story, right? And I think we've, we, we all can identify with them. So the guy who bought some land, right? Look, I just bought 100 acres. I just got me 1,000 acres, right? Just bought me 1,000 acres. What do I need to do? I need to go check it out, God. Because look, when I see a field, and when most of us see a field, what do we see? A field. 29, a field. Route 4, a field. 559, a field. 36, a field. Most of 70, a field. When we see fields, we see fields. But when a farmer sees a field, guess what he sees? His future. He sees his family being taken care of. He sees the next generations being financially stable. A farmer said, God, hold up. I need to go check my field. I need to go check my future. I need to go plan my future before I, I accept the invitation to anything that you want from me. How often are we farmers? God, let me check my future first. Let me set my future first, God. Please excuse me. The provisions for my family, God, are more important for me than your request of me right now. How does this apply? We become people that worry and think far too much about our earthly future that we pass up on the invitation that God has placed on our lives. God is inviting you into something so much bigger than yourself, so much bigger than this church, so much bigger than the things that you deal with daily, but your focus is on your future provisions. C.S. Lewis Lewis said it like this. You you got a mirror, right? And if you have dust on the mirror, it doesn't shine as bright. But if the mirror is clear, it can reflect brightly. A heart that has accepted the invitation can be used a lot more than the heart that's running from it. I'm asking that as a church, we accept the invitations. We accept it again. Just because you did it 10 years ago, five years ago, six months ago, Forty years ago, 50 years ago, there's an invitation that we're all invited to again. Today, God is sending an invitation. Five yokes. I gotta try them out, God. I got these new toys. I' got me a Duramax 350 turbo.) <laughs> I got to see how much weight. I, I think about putting it in the local, local fair this year, truck pulling. I got to test it out. I got some new toys. I got to test them out, God. I know around here we can get new lawnmowers, new cub cadets. We got to test those out on Sunday mornings. Or what about this? I got a new baseball bat. I got to try it out. Toys. Things. He was too focused on the future money and the things that the the five oxen were going to bring him, right? The things that he wanted to accomplish with those five oxen. That that took place over God's invitation. How does that apply? This means just because you were headed in one direction. This guy made up his mind, right? I bought five oxen, I gotta go check them out. Just because he was headed in one direction, just because he once made up his mind, doesn't mean you cannot stop in your tracks and accept God's invitation and head in the right direction. How many times have you made up your mind about a person, about a thing, about something? That you just said, I've already made up my mind, I'm going. I'm doing it. This is telling us you're allowed to stop in your tracks and head a different direction. You can do that. God, I'm stopping right here and I'm going to accept the invitation. (laughs) And what about this? God, I was just married, we're almost done. God, I'm just married. What do people tell you is the most important relationship that you can have? Your spouse. And I agree with that. Macy and my relationship is the most important relationship with a human being that I can have. That I can pour into. That I can cherish and protect. And I know this, God wouldn't have invited this man if there wasn't a purpose for them. God's not going to call an individual away from a spouse that he's blessed and then say, hey, look, this is going to lead to a divorce. He was calling them into something. So there was probably some leadership things that he still needed to learn. It's a parable, so there's really no true (laughs) facts of what it was or whatever, so... Um I know in my own life that God calls Macy and I to things. She's still an individual, and I'm still an individual, but it still comes together in unity with Christ. We still have our own unique gifts and our abilities, but it all comes together for Christ, and we walk in unison. But I do understand that marriage and ministry is an interesting balance. Challenging balance. But we actually can never use our spouse as a reason for our lack of obedience. You can't do it. Don't do it. You can't use anyone for the lack of obedience. God was inviting him to follow, and he said, Nope, got to go to the wife. We can't use our spouse for a lack of obedience in anything. In the same chapter, God was saying, um, in this same chapter, Luke chapter 14, right, um, right after um, this scripture, says, look, you must be willing to hate your father, hate your mother, hate everything else. Everything else must pale in comparison. Did this guy's spouse pale in comparison? No. What it seems like is the spouse became an idol spouses and people and things cannot become idols in our lives. Everything else must pale in comparison. I would have loved if, if we just, not add to the Bible, but just playing out the scenario in my mind, yes, God will follow you. And then God says, go back and get your wife. Bring her along. We always just think we know God's next move. <laughs> Follow me. Follow me. Yes, God, I'll do it. Okay, now go home and just stay with your wife. I thought I was following you. You are. You're going home and you're going to love your wife. But we we think that this following means something completely different. Application. I believe in every marriage there is a sacrifice and learning that takes place. But your spouse should never become your idol because God... Uh, before God, and I personally believe that God's call in your marriage is to allow you to walk in knowing him more, living in your purpose, having help to do that, and strengthening the representation of a Christ and his bride marriage. Not even your spouse, who is an unbeliever, should keep you from church and honoring God. We're wrapping up. So who was invited? We're going to blame it on communion this morning, why we're running late. So that's between you and God. I, I literally skipped a page of my notes. So I've done my part. Who was invited? We can look at it spiritually and physically. So the spiritually poor were invited, right? The poor were invited. These people have nothing to offer the world. They stink. They're made fun of. They are the least of these, or they have never heard the word of God or have limited knowledge of it. They're poor, spiritually poor, physically poor. What about the blind? They can actually be blind, or spiritually speaking, they have lost vision of their purpose. Right? How many of us have ever lost vision for our For our God given purpose, they can't seem to see the truth. They feel shorthanded and dependent on others for their guidance. The crippled, they could be physically crippled, need healing. Or there's something overpowering them, such as addictions, hurt, forgiveness, pride, or insecurities. We all deal with that, right? What about the lame? They're wounded, they're hurt, they're disappointed. They've had traumatic experiences that they can't shake. These are the people that God calls us to invite. People who wouldn't have received an invitation to the party that Jesus was at. We must realize that all of us, every single one of us in this room, started As lame, crippled, blind, poor, spiritually speaking. And actually, some of us today are that way. Some of us today are poor, crippled, blind, or lame, spiritually speaking. And you know what you do? You accept the invitation to the party. Accept the invitation to the party. Go to the party. God, I I, I give up trying to do it myself. I'm coming to the party. What I realized today is that within the church, all around the world, we have become the expected guests, the ones who um, make excuses to why they shouldn't do outreach, to why they shouldn't accept that invitation. But my challenge to you is accept it. Accept the invitation today because we are far too reclined. Today, I want to wrap up this series by encouraging you to accept the invitation. Ken, you can come up. Stop in your tracks, right? Stop in your tracks. Join the party. You know what? My first note as I was studying the scripture, God will not be denied. You know what he said? These men aren't going to come. Go invite other people. Oh, we're not full yet. Go get more people. God is not going to be denied. And one of the biggest lies of the enemy is this, is eventually I'll make the right decision. We live under this idea and deceitfulness that one day will actually, like tomorrow, right? You've all heard it. Tomorrow I'll do it. We all live under that illusion and lie. God's not going to be denied. And what I want to say is there's actually people who are going to miss the pearly gates and head to hell. Accept the invitation today to love others, don't wait for tomorrow to get right with him. So we have a few things coming up that I want you guys to partner with. We had the fearless 5K to accept the invitation of God. We have Boo and the U, where we get to love kids dressed in costumes. We get to love a community. Yeah, we pass out candy. Yeah, maybe it's a pagan thing. We're not pagans. We're trying to bring light to the pagans. So you know what? We will pass out candy and become all things to all people for the sake that one person or a thousand people or a community of people would accept the invitation of Christ. So I need you guys to partner at Boo at the U. I need the body to partner at the Fearless 5K, and I need you guys, not me, to plant a harvest party for our community. I'm not doing it. Will you step up and accept the invitation and love our community? Mark's not doing it. We're not gonna do this one. Will you accept the invitation? Look, I can pass out candy that night. I'll be there. I'm not planning it. I'm not organizing it. Organizing it. Do it. Accept it. Start today. Someone today start planning booing the you, passing out candy candy. Someone today start planning a harvest party. Someone today start organizing, passing out water for the fearless 5K. Amen? But what I want to do um, as I wrap this up, I'm sorry for going over. I won't do this again. Um, Wait, you didn't let me finish this month. I won't do it again this month. Take it as you wish. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to God's invitation. Maybe today you're saying, yeah, God, I need to accept that invitation to actually, like, not quit trying to be comfortable and start living into the person of inviting other people. I'm now your servant. I'm going to invite people into your, to your party. Or maybe today you feel like you're the spiritually crippled, the spiritually lame, right, the blind, the poor, maybe you just know that there's something in your heart that you're rebelling from, and you need to accept that invitation more. I'm going to pray, and I want you guys to not make excuses, and come up and have a conversation with God, amen? If you guys are not responding at the altar, you can be dismissed don't use that as an excuse that church is dismissed. Look, I've been there. I've been there. If the pastor wants a lot of people to respond, he doesn't do this. I want to put it on you to accept that invitation. God, I pray that you would help us accept that invitation. That there'd be no better place to be than in your party right now. God, if we're feeling spiritually poor, lame, sick, Crippled, blind, God, um, bring healing today. God, for those of us who just feel like we've been pursuing comfort, I ask that you would help us just endure the hardships and accept your invitation. May we accept your invitation again, in Jesus' name. Amen. This is your opportunity.
1: mercy as he cries out to
0: one of two reasons why you guys are here either God's doing something in your heart or it's too awkward to stand up if God's doing something in your heart what, what do we start service with what do we started with we said this physical obedience leads to transformation not reclined I should have prefaced that I'm learning right I'm not even a year in yet let's not be reclined in our seats let's respond to God obediently. If God's doing something, just just do it in honor of Him. Do it in honor of Him. But if you're just lingering because it's awkward, God bless you.
1: Sweet.